All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 16. As we continue in our series through the Gospel of John, I want to read our text, and then I'm going to, I'm going to have an exercise for us to do. Not something we do often during sermons, but I, I want to do something, and you'll, I'll explain throughout the sermon why I want you to do this. But John chapter 16, we're going to begin reading in verse 4, and we're going to go down through verse 15. John 16, verse 4 through 15. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me where I am going. But because I have said these things, you come, you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and, I will, and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare, declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And that the Father has, excuse me, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Last week we did a we took a broad look at John chapter 13, the end of John 13, uh, touched down in chapter 14, and then eventually landed in chapter 15. We took a very macro view of all that how this one conversation was kind of flowing together. And the conversation is continuing to chapter 16 and continuing into chapter 17. But one of the statements I made in reference to John 16, as I made a statement about the importance of believing in God was point number one, and then point number two was abiding in Christ and how the Holy Spirit, as we walk with him, filled with the Spirit, is a means of outworking John chapter 15 of abiding in Christ, staying connected to Christ through the Spirit on a daily basis. The Spirit resides in us, and then when we surrender to Christ every day, the Holy Spirit presides over us, our lives, and lives through our lives. But I made this statement which really is the target statement for today's sermon, if you want to fill it in, is this. The Holy Spirit in us is better than Jesus beside us. And I made this statement, and I realized partly because of uh, looks that were on your faces. I don't know if you know this, but a sermon is a dialogue, not a monologue. You guys don't say much, but I've gotten pretty good at reading your faces. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was... Uh, at a conference that was a largely African-American conference and a lot of African-American preachers, and there was a lot more dialogue. I was like, I gotta, I gotta teach my people this dialogue. But you make dialogue, whether you realize it or not, and the expression on your faces told me, I need to, I need to unpack this statement a little bit more. The Holy Spirit in us is better than Jesus beside us. John chapter 16, verse 7 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. 
My statement, the Holy Spirit in us is better than Jesus beside us, is just a rephrasing of what Jesus says here in this verse. He says, it is to your advantage, meaning you profit, you benefit from the reality that me leaving your side means the Holy Spirit can now come, and this is good for you. Now, one of the things that I hope to do in the way I preach or the way I teach is I hope to show you through the methodology of my preaching also ways in which you can study God's Word yourself. So that when you go into God's Word on Monday or Tuesday and you're reading it, you can learn how learn to kind of see Scripture and think through some of the questions I think through so that when you're on your own, you can also learn to think through those and kind of draw faithful interpretations of Scripture. Therefore, here's the exercise. I have given you the main point. The Holy Spirit in us is better than Jesus beside us. And then I'm going to tell you three things the Spirit does to why it is to your advantage that the Holy Spirit in you is better than Jesus beside you. But I want you to try to discover those on your own. So I'm going to give you time. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask if you would just turn music on lightly. We're going to do this for three or five minutes. I want you to look at the Bible. It's not going to all be on the screen because not the whole passage fits on the screen. So you need to grab your phone or grab your Bible. Go to John chapter 16. And there are three answers that the text gives to why this is true. And I want to encourage you to see if you can't come up with them on your own. Read it. Allow the Holy Spirit. Allow God's Word to help open your eyes. Um, spoiler alert, because that's one of the answers as the Holy Spirit helps guide you into truth. And so I want to practice that by giving you an opportunity to read God's word yourself. So music's going to play. Take a moment, read God's word, and try to fill in the three blanks. Uh, and then I'll come in and continue the sermon. She was talking to Jesus, she was talking to Jesus, she'd been talking to Jesus for all of her life. Mama used to drag me to church, Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, khaki pants and a polo shirt. Boy, I put up a fight She said, son, one day you'll thank me For having God in your life And yeah, I know she was right Yeah, my mama was right Cause now I'm talking to Jesus She got me talking to Jesus She got me talking to Jesus my mama was right Cause now I'm talking to Jesus Yeah, I love talking to Jesus And I'll be talking to Jesus For the rest of my life What a friend we have in Jesus What a friend we have in Jesus Don't you know
I've got three of my own Trying to raise them upright My oldest is 15 And I remember what that was like Trying to deal with the trauma Trying to figure out the questions in life And I've been looking for a way to show him how to make it all right Then he walks in my room Well, I was singing my prayers the other night He said, I'll come back later I can tell you got a lot on your mind I said, it's not an interruption You couldn't have picked a better time I was just talking to Jesus Come over and give it a try We started talking to Jesus come to your word, Spirit of God, we're asking for you to open our eyes to see truth, that you will help us understand this truth, and that our lives will be transformed by this truth. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. The Holy Spirit in us is better than Jesus beside us. It's a powerful statement, and it's a statement that I want to be clear is not to say that Jesus beside us is a bad thing. We understand as part of the Christian faith that we long for Jesus' return. We long for the moment where we get to be beside Jesus for all eternity. So the statement that the Holy Spirit in us is better than Jesus beside us is not a statement as if to say it's no big deal. We don't really care if Jesus is beside us or not. No, we very much want Jesus beside us. But we're taking Jesus at his own word when he says it is to your advantage And so when we look at this, he's going to give reasons to why it is our advantage. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then verse 8, which is uh, point number one. When he comes, he will convict. The Spirit convicts. I want us, as we begin to unpack this, and hopefully you're going to go, man, like, My pastor is really unoriginal because he's just literally going to repeat the text to us over and over again. But as we look at a simple doctrine of the Spirit today, it is not going to be an exhaustive doctrine. There's so much that we could say about the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, and the role of the Spirit of God. We're just going to look at it within this text and what it means. But it says first that the Spirit convicts. And the kind of subpoint to that, he convicts because of three specific areas. He'll convict the world of sin, of righteousness, concerning righteousness, and judgment. And then Jesus unpacks that to make sure we understand what he means by that. He says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Now, as we study the Gospel of John, we must remember what we've been saying over and over and over and over again, which is what John says in John 20, I am writing these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. This entire Gospel has been about believing. 
Jesus and all that he's teaching, John is taking, different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who give us faithful stories about Jesus. John is writing from a perspective totally evangelistic, trying to get us to see and believe. But Jesus says, the people do not believe. And in fact, no one really believes. And because they are not convicted of their sin. As if to say, what he says here, when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. Now, the reason, one of the reasons I want us to begin to think about John 3.16, for God so loved the world. World is a common idea throughout John. If we were, that's, that could cover a sermon in and of itself of just exactly how does John use this idea of world. But Jesus is saying that, hey, of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he came to give his entire life so that all believe in him might not perish but have everlasting life. But what he's saying here in John chapter 16 is the world doesn't believe and won't believe unless first the Spirit of God convicts them of their sin. When we see the work of the Spirit, as we think about the Trinity all throughout Scripture, a lot of times if we look at it, we look at the Old Testament and we see uh, just Yahweh, Elohim, God, and largely the Father be a focus point of the Old Testament. And then we get to the Gospels and we kind of see Jesus as the focal point. And then we get to Acts and it's the Spirit of God coming and what the Spirit of God does through the church. And we almost see like the Trinity being played out in stages. We see the Father largely in the Old Testament. We see Jesus in the Gospels and we see the Spirit in Acts and in the church and the Spirit of God is working And there is some truth to that, but I want us to not think of it that way. In fact, if we were to give a faithful move, a doctrine of the Spirit of God, we'll see the Spirit of God working in the Old Testament. We see the Spirit of God working all in Jesus' ministry. We see the Spirit descend upon him in the baptism. Scripture says that it was the Spirit that allowed him to be conceived and marry. And so that was the work of the Spirit. We see the Spirit of God working constantly to move in our midst. But one of the things that is unique to the Spirit of God is that it convicts the world of sin. That you and I are blind in our sin. And without the Spirit of God coming and moving and working, then the world would not know their sin. Now, we begin to think about the importance of the Spirit of God working in conviction of sin, largely being something that happens after Jesus' ministry. Why? Because what's the point, to some degree, of convicting someone of their sin, but not offering the salvation that is found in Jesus? Have you ever had a boss who you went to with a problem, and you said, hey, here's this problem I'm seeing, and the boss says something like this, hey, I appreciate you pointing this out, but do you have a solution to the problem? Because I would appreciate if you could also not just offer the problem, but offer a potential solution. That's really where you might be helpful. But imagine the Spirit, largely one of the roles of the Spirit, is to convict the world of sin. Imagine that ministry happened largely before Jesus. Here's the problem, you're in sin, but you have no hope. But we see the work of Jesus, largely in the miracles of Jesus, the Holy Spirit working in all those things. Now because of Jesus, he has done his job. We'll see in John chapter 17, we'll study in a few weeks, where Jesus says, I have finished the work that you called me to do. Jesus is saying, I am done. And now that I am done, and I'm about to go to the cross, and at the cross he will say, it is finished. It literally is done. Now the Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, largely with the mission to convict the world of sin. See, you and I, even though also true, Romans chapter 10, how will people believe if they do not hear, and how will they hear unless someone preaches, and how will someone preach unless they are sent? 
So it's a challenge for us to go and preach the good news. But listen to me. You've never talked anyone into salvation. Doctrinally, it's not true. You have not convinced anybody of salvation. In fact, if you could talk someone into it, someone else could talk them out of it. Yes, God allows and invites us into the ministry of conviction and into the ministry of the gospel being preached. But we understand that Jesus is saying, I have done my job. I must leave so the Spirit can come do its job of convicting the world of their sin and pointing to me as the Savior so that their lives may be forever changed. See, even when Jesus teaches to his disciples and when he preaches, it's still the Spirit of God moving in the midst to bring conviction into people's hearts. It was the Spirit of God in Jeremiah when Jeremiah says, it's like a fire in my bones. I cannot hold back from teaching the truth of God's word. It was, it was a compulsion to go and be faithful. It's the Spirit of God moving in the midst. See, the Spirit of God has a powerful role of bringing you and I to Jesus. Jesus has done what is necessary so that we could have life, but the Spirit of God is the one who invites us and escorts us to him. That's why Jesus would say that no one can come to the Father except through him, and if the Father draws all men unto himself. Well, how does the Father draw all men unto himself? Jesus is saying the Spirit of God draws so why is it better to have the Spirit in us than beside Jesus beside us? I'm so grateful for Jesus. And it's not like, this isn't like fantasy. I'm playing fantasy basketball for the first time. I'm not great at it. But it isn't like we're trying to pick between players, which is better, Jesus or the Spirit. That's not the goal of today's sermon. They're one, they're one uh, in substance, but we understand the three in persons. But they have roles to play. But one of the important roles that Jesus is saying is, I have made atonement for sin. The spirit of God's role is to bring that awareness to your heart so that you fall and surrender in faith upon Jesus. And so he's saying, it's better for Jesus to be in you because he's going to allow you to see that you need me. And without us seeing, we would never turn to him in faith. So I'm grateful to have the spirit of God working in my life. Concerning sin, because they do not believe me. Verse 10, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and I, you will see me no longer. Jesus is the standard for righteousness. Holy, perfect, without blemish, without sin. The one who went and lived for us and when he's right in front of you, it's helpful. There's the standard. Colossians would say that he's the perfect image of God. And Jesus has already said, we've already seen in John, where he said that, hey, if you see me, you, you've seen the Father. I am the perfect image of God. I am the perfect image of righteousness. Without that standard right in front of us, we need the Holy Spirit to continue to sanctify us and call us to righteousness. It's, it's a congruent thing that he does with conviction. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, you'll see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So grateful for verse 11. It, it's in the work in our lives concerning judgment, is in the work of conviction of sin. We are convicted of sin and realize we are under judgment. But in the same moment that, that there's a proclamation that because of your sin, you are under judgment and we because of the Spirit of God, realize that, see that truth, and respond to the hope that there is, the victory that there is in Jesus, and we respond in faith, that at the same time is a declaration to our enemy that you have lost. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judge. The Spirit of God is going to and fro, 
capturing and redeeming people back unto Jesus. And as he's rescuing, it's also a declaration that the enemy has lost. The enemy no longer has hold over my life, but has rescued me in salvation. So why is it better to have the Holy Spirit in us than Jesus beside us? The first, because the Spirit convicts. Second, verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. The Spirit guides. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. This is one of the important reasons why I've given us verse 4. Even though this section technically is kind of begins halfway down verse 4, but the first half of verse 4 says this, But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. One of the jobs, as we think about the role of the Spirit, that he will guide us into all truth. What does it mean that he'll guide us into all truth? This is a great question. But it's important for us to also understand the immediate context and the immediate audience in which Jesus is speaking. So let me kind of uh, say it, and then I'll begin to unpack it. He's talking to his disciples. So one of the reasons why in verse 4 that, hey, you're going to remember these things, and the work of the Holy Spirit is going to help you remember these things— That's why it's important that when they later, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and then years later, they're beginning to write the Gospels. Years later, after the Gospels, one of the reasons why we can trust the validity of the Gospels is because we have a doctrine that says that the Holy Spirit has inspired the writers of the Gospels to remember and to write down faithfully and accurately the things that are and were true. So it's important when we hold Scripture and we value Scripture and we say that we value reading Scripture and it's the ultimate guide for life and truth, one of the reasons we make that claim is because we believe God's Word is authoritative. And one of the reasons we believe God's Word is authoritative is because it was inspired by the Holy Spirit that He will guide you into all truth. Specifically, I believe this is referring to the disciples and them coming to understand remember and write down the truth that we have in God's word. Right When we begin to think about it, we are reading the New Testament. We are reading these truths. And if we're not careful, we can read them strictly from our context and go, what does it mean that the Spirit of God is going to guide me into all truth? And if we're not careful, we can create doctrines that, that says the Spirit of God is going to say and reveal new truth to me today. Now, I, I very much... If you're around me at all, I say this honestly and respectfully, I kind of like to refer to myself as a Baptocostal. And what I mean by that is that I've got, I believe that the Spirit of God moves in miraculous ways. And I believe the Spirit of God speaks. And I believe today that the Spirit of God is still, yes, guiding us into all truth. But I want to be clear about something is that here it's referring to to the disciples and that they would come to know and understand all that is true. They would write those things down and they would, truth would be passed down to us. Also remembering context, John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So to some degree, guide you into all truth. I'm going to guide you to Jesus to understand all that Jesus has come to do and what his life means. Then we're going to look ahead in a couple weeks. We're going to see in John chapter 17, verse 17. He says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. 
So we cannot separate the statement that the Spirit of God is going to guide us into all truth if it's not married perfectly to God's Word. Because we have a lot of, even within Christianity, we have a lot of opinions and theologies and ideas about the Spirit of God working that is contrary or different to sometimes what we see in Scripture. And it allows for a very subjective understanding of truth. I'll give an example of this. I'll have conversations sometimes as a pastor because people find themselves in a very emotional and difficult situations. And someone might come to me and they sometimes goes, I feel like God's telling me to do X. They're not going to give a specific, but I believe God's telling me to do X. And what do you mean? I, I just, the Spirit of God, it's been convicting me of it. It's been on my mind lately. I've been thinking about it. I can't let it go. I really believe God's telling me to do it. Well, the problem oftentimes in these conversations is X contradicts with Scripture. We're like, well, the Holy Spirit is not telling you to do X because the Holy Spirit, we understand, has already said, you know, this. And if that contradicts this, then we understand that this is our authority because this is how God has guided the church to truth to write down Scriptures and for us to hang on to these things. And I give that as an example to say, yes, as much as I believe God and the Spirit of God is still working and is still speaking and revealing in such a way that is not adding to Scripture or contradicting Scripture. So what does it mean that the Spirit of God is going to lead us into all truth? It means that it's going to point us to Jesus and His Word and allow us to know and to grow in God's Word. Now, then... I get some people who will say something like this. Well, if that's true, if this is God's word, and the Spirit of God's going to guide me into all truth of God's word, then all I need is my Bible, myself, and the Spirit of God in a room, and I'll always faithfully understand and interpret Scripture. That's not true either. That's not to say there's not a role for study, and there's not a role for tradition and history, and there's not a role for a community, because we understand that the church was gathered in community, and if we were to study Acts, which we're going to in 2023, we're going to see that there was often heresy and contradictions, and one of the things they did is they gathered as a body to make sure that they were rightly understanding God's Word. And so once again, the Spirit of God throughout history is guiding us to faithfulness and to orthodoxy and truth. That does not mean that we can't at times have errors in our interpretation. But it is to simply say this, that if we want to know Jesus, we want to know him because he is truth, John 14, and we want to know his word because that is also truth, that the two together are inseparable, that they are what they are, the Spirit of God is going to guide us to that. If the Spirit of God is not going to guide us away from Jesus, the Spirit of God is not going to guide us away from his word. If those things are happening, it's not the Spirit of God working in your life. But instead, the Spirit of God in us is going to continue to tether us to God's word and draw us close. It's one of the reasons why we value reading scripture at New Hope. It's one of the reasons we start our services, because we want to make sure that in everything we do, they're founded on scripture, that we're walking through this. It's not to say we're always going to get it right. For moments, I promise you, I really hope that the first five years of my preaching gets lost, those recordings get lost somewhere. Because I promise you, I've said some things where I go back and go, ooh, what was I thinking, right? Why did someone give me a mic? Sometimes, still wonder that now. But why did someone give me a mic and let me, it's not to say we're always going to get it right, but it is to say that we're going to do our best to tether ourselves to God's word, to understand God's word. It's the reason why we did the exercise. I wanted you to take a moment, even if it was just five minutes, to go 
I can look at this and the Spirit of God is going to open my eyes and as I walk with him and I abide in his word, the Spirit of God is going to allow me to see what is true, what is good, what is beautiful, and it's going to continue to point me to Jesus. Which leads me to truth number three. Let me just pick it up in verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but what he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Good example of that, Revelation. But verse 14, he will glorify me. Truth number three, the Spirit glorifies. Now, I didn't give an object, a direct object. He, he doesn't glorify you. He doesn't glorify me. Hopefully, it's assumed here, but I'm going to make it clear just in case it's, you don't, aren't assuming it. The Spirit glorifies Jesus. When we begin to think about the work of the Spirit, all throughout a faithful doctrine of the Spirit of God, the book of Acts, other things, we're going to see that the Spirit of God is pointing us to Jesus. And so the Spirit in us is constantly drawing us to Jesus. Jesus is the hero of the story. He's the hero of this story. He's the hero of history. He is the hero. And when we begin to think about the Spirit of God equal, uh, uh, equally God in, the, in person, the same as Jesus and the Father, he's not less than, he's not more than. They are all God in one but nonetheless, the role of the Spirit is to draw and point us to Jesus. Everything about what the Spirit is doing is convicting of sin and guiding us to Jesus in order to glorify Jesus. It is all about Jesus. If you and I walk away from this Bible ever and think that it's about anything ultimately other than Jesus, we're missing the point of all of history. It is all about Jesus, and the Spirit is always magnifying Jesus. And so the Spirit of God in your life is going to continue to draw you to Jesus. This is so good. Um, someone help me out. Exercise number two, because I'm really bad with songs. What's the song? Is it Amazing Grace? I don't know. Well, tether me, the, uh, tether me, help me out. What is the, anybody know? Him with the word tether, who can Google it the fastest? Is it come thou fount? From, so, you're, you're so spiritual, man, so good. I think it's come thou fount, let's go with that. But it's this idea of tethering us to Jesus. And the truth is, you and I have a temptation always to walk away from Jesus. If it was left up to us and it was left up to our own doing, we'd walk away. And there have been seasons of my life I tried to walk away. But the Spirit's role is to convict us and bring us into salvation with Jesus. And the Spirit holds us and continues to pull us back to Jesus, even in moments as Christians where we want to run away. I've been there. You've been there. And I know it because you're all human. And we all still struggle with sin in our lives. But praise be to God that the Spirit of God is there, lovingly pulling us back to Jesus. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. So why does Jesus say that it's to your advantage that I leave so the Spirit of God comes in your life? Because the Spirit of God sanctifies, transforms your life, and constantly is pushing you back to Jesus. Why does Jesus say it's to your advantage? Because the Spirit's gonna make sure you keep your eyes on me all of your life and for all eternity. The Spirit of God is gonna continue to work in your life. And so I encourage you, 
keeping in mind this truth with last week's truth of John 15. Let us abide in the vine and allow the Spirit to continue to work in our lives. Let's get in God's Word. Let's worship. Let's pray and allow the Spirit of God to convict us of sin. Allow the Spirit of God to continue to point us to God's Word and to truth and allow the Spirit of God to glorify Jesus in our lives. Let's pray. Spirit, we come to you even now in this moment and we call upon you. And Scripture makes it clear that you, when the church gathers, you gather here with us in a manifest way. Why? Because you live within us and Christians are getting together. You're there in our midst. So Spirit, I'm asking you now tonight that you would convict us of sin. You would convict us of the area of our lives that we still are, have this secret sin that we just kind of put off to the side and we've segmented and we've kind of put it away. Spirit of God, you love us too much to allow that sin to just stay there. So would you convict us of our sin? Would you bring us to the point of brokenness over our sin, that we repent of our sin and that we are drawn back to your word and we're drawn back to you, Jesus? So the Spirit of God would glorify you by drawing us into worship of you. Because if it was up to me, my heart would never choose to worship you. My heart would always run away to the things of this world. But praise be to God that he sent his Spirit into my life to continue to turn my head to focus in on you, Jesus. So Spirit of God, I'm asking for you to do that in my life and in this room. Spirit, you are in us, living with us every single moment of every day as Christians. Romans 8 says that if we're child of God, we're children of God, then the Spirit of God lives in our hearts. And Spirit of God, you're with me. Do you constantly stir me and us to Jesus? Spirit of God, I pray maybe if there's someone in this room today that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus, but you're doing your work of convicting right now and you're doing your work of drawing them unto righteousness and you're doing your work of opening their eyes to the need for salvation. And I pray that you would draw them to confess their sin and put their faith in Jesus so that, so that they could be forgiven and they could receive the grace that has been bought by the blood of Jesus. Jesus, would you be glorified in this room today? We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is New Hope NYC. Our website is www.newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have 4 p.m. worship gatherings on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.